Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. Woohoo! Happy International Star Wars Day. It is May the 4th, and may the 4th be with you. Of course, had to record a, an episode today um, for various reasons, not just because it's International Star Wars Day. Uh, this will, of course, come out <laughs> uh, sometime on the 5th, because uh, I'm not a morning person. All right, well... There's tons to talk about. Let's just get into it. The Bad Batch, the first episode dropped today. Uh, first episode called Aftermath. 70-something minutes of brand new Star Wars animation. Uh, now, um, of course, uh, everyone will know that I that the prequels is uh, it's not my favorite era. Um, so my enjoyment of the Clone Wars was... You know, it always had a bit of a like a cap on it in a way. Um, there was stuff I loved about it, but I, I was never gonna, you know, be head over heels in love with it. Um, but I actually just finished the uh, the complete Clone Wars rewatch just uh, in time for the Bad Batch. And before we get to the Bad Batch, let me just say, like, I mean, the, the end of season six. I mean, all of season six really is like really strong, I would say. Um, but that Yoda arc is great. And then going into, you know, the final season, um, you know, the Marti Martinez sisters arc, I remember being pretty frustrated with it at the time, but it was like that classic thing where it like you get one episode a week and it has to, and if it's got, if it's to be boring or something, you're just like, oh, are you serious? You know, um, but being able to watch them all in a row um, actually really improved that arc for me. And I really like those characters. And I think, you know, one thing that, that I kind of noticed is like the, the, the animation on the, the two sisters was so good. And actually when they, especially like the design in the face, like, and then when they would cut to Ahsoka, actually... I would be like, man, Ahsoka looks really cartoony next to them. And I kind of wish Ahsoka, had, they had gone with a bit more of a, like a normal human face look for Ahsoka. Because um, it just like, when it was on the sisters, I just felt like, wow, I'm really involved and they really like drawing me in. And then when it would cut to Ahsoka, it would look a bit like, just a bit like a big flat featureless orange face basically um um but i quite liked it and the bad batch arc i pff, yeah didn't love it actually <laughs> which didn't make me super pumped for what was coming today i don't know it just felt it had its moments of course but they just it just felt a bit cheesy and this kind of like a-team approach to those characters just felt like something for the kids more, you know, like very simple kind of characters. Yeah, so I didn't super love that. Um, but then the final arc, made up of four episodes, um, with Ahsoka and Rex and 
I mean, Anakin's in there. It's but it, seriously, like I watched the I watched the arc as it came out. I rewatched it as soon as the last one came out, just to get it all again. I, I liked it a lot, um, but it really affected me this time. Like I loved it. I mean, you get uh, you get battle droids and stuff in the beginning of that arc, and then that you don't see him again. So the kind of the stuff that I you know aesthetically liked the least was not really featured very much in the in these four episodes, which helped. Um, but the way that the the tragedy unfolds, the the kind of the intrigue regarding Mole and the, and the, and like uh, what he knows and what he's guessing is happening. Uh, is fantastic and yeah that as order 66 goes down like the tragedy of that stuff and the the soundtrack during that those sections how it's just like these kind of droning synth notes very blade runner 202049 20, um really there's the kind of dread just builds and builds and then when it when it goes when it all goes down and the the troopers turn on Ahsoka, you just are feeling like, oh, no, you know, um, it's brilliant. And all the way through to, you know, the final moments, um, you know, I think there's a lot of criticisms that can be made of the Clone Wars, but that final arc, top tier Star Wars, really 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 great so that was it was really cool to have that experience going into the bad batch because even though i didn't love the bad batch episodes that final arc kind of made me like i'm ready for more of that and guess what we got more of that i loved the bad batch's first episode it was fantastic really loved it um i didn't expect it to come out swinging so hard I mean, maybe that that long runtime should have been a, a bit of a hint that they were not gonna faff about. Um, but just yeah, starting off with yeah. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen the episode and you want to stay spoiler free, this is not the place to be. Uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go into super much detail, but I am gonna talk about things in the episode. So if you'd rather stay spoiler free for this one. Maybe wait a little bit until you've seen it. All right. So here we go. Starting off with Depa Bilapa and um, Caleb Doom, as he was known at the time, and Order 66 going down was a really tough way to, to start the episode. Um, and it really sets the tone for the show, which is a much more... Like, it is a more adult tone and a darker tone, I think, than The Clone Wars or the other animated shows. Um, uh, it was great. And, like, visually, the show looks killer. Um, they, you know, it's. I'm pretty sure the numbers have spoken for themselves and um, Disney and Lucasfilm have really seen that people really respond to the... The, the the high quality stuff they can't just like i mean rebels did suffer some backlash because of the you know the cheaper budget so the, the, the visual style was a bit simpler and people didn't love it as much um straight 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 away really because of that um 
But uh, yeah, no budgetary issues here. Like it looks really expensive and good. Um, the the Bad Batch themselves, I'm I'm sold. Like even though like the look of the characters to me was very. Um, it's a bit video gamey, or like they look like Halo characters or something. It just it's it does it's all a bit like heavy and chunky looking for Star Wars. I think Star Wars needs to be pretty sleek in a way, not for so muscular looking. Um, so I had that issue, but I like the characters, like they're real characters, and I'm really um, I've really like uh, already grown to like them a lot. Um, but yeah, to watch Order 66 go down and the confusion that, you know, and that's, uh, that was really cool. And like, it's such a focused story, like, and it's really nice to see it. Like, it really is pretty much like if this had been live action, you wouldn't be going, this is a bit kiddie, isn't it? Like, it's really, um, like a strong story. It's really cool to see, um... The stuff about, um, like, uh, you know, the, the how the clones are kind of changing now that the Republic is over and it's become the Empire. And how, and we have this stuff about Tarkin coming and inspecting uh, things on Kamino, you know, deciding if they're going to continue with clones, clone soldiers or switch to... Uh, conscript or like you know regular people um which is a cool detail there's tons of detail about this uh th this kind of key moment in time and it's super good um yeah Tarkin was great um Camino I love in lots of ways like the rain and everything is very atmospheric I always thought it looked super like too surgical and pristine like to me that's not really the star wars look and uh same thing here again but you know in a way it works in animation because that kind of crispness just makes everything pop from off the screen really nicely um so yeah i still in enjoyed the, enjoyed seeing camino now one um aspect of the show that i think a lot of people were a bit apprehensive about was this uh young character omega um, she had a bit of an annoying kid vibe in the trailer or trailers. Um, so yeah, I, I had a bit of a wait and see attitude going in and she was actually awesome, like really likable. And there's this real wisdom to her which is great now the show suggests that she might she's either a bit like a very special clone mutation or it could even be force sensitive um but i just thought you know i didn't expect to like her that much but i totally loved the character the the floby hair and the the jewel on the head and everything is it's not a, like a super cool looking character i would say but um yeah, I really liked her a lot. Um, uh, the stuff with um, Saw Guerrera was a really nice touch. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I had a great time. Um, I was really like 
engaged from start to finish. So, uh, yeah, big, uh, big round of applause for the team on that one. I actually was not aware that, because I kind of thought that um, because Dave Filoni is very busy working on live action stuff now, I didn't think he was going to be involved in this, actually. I thought he had handed this whole thing over to someone else, but turns out he's... Um, He's one of the two writers on it and, uh, I guess, executive producer uh, or whatever, um, which is good. Um, and it's really nice to see what he can do without, um, with, you know, I mean, ah, Rebels was very good. But it's nice to see like what he can do without George kind of sending him off in funny directions like he did on The Clone Wars. You know, I think, you know, uh, it's set up so many interesting plot points already. Um, and it's as I said, it's very focused. So it's good. Music was good. Yeah. I was a bit surprised to hear Tom Kane's um, narration in the beginning. I thought that might have been left as an aspect of the Clone Wars only, but uh, they did it here too. I wonder if they will continue doing that at the beginning of every episode to me it feels uh, really unnecessary because um it looks like we're gonna we're in for like a linear story now instead of jumping around from character to character or even jumping around on the timeline i don't think you need i don't think you need the narrator to set stuff up so um yeah but great thumbs up for the bad batch uh now other nice surprises we got here on May the 4th, were um, there were three things released on Disney Plus that, as far as I know, were not even um, like announced. <laughs> so it was a nice surprise. Um, the first one was Biomes, which, was, which is um, an 18-minute short. The second was two episodes of... Uh, of a series called Vehicle Fly-Throughs. And the third thing was a Simpsons crossover thing called The Force Awakens from a Nap. And it's about Maggie Simpson. That was fine, I guess. I didn't love it. That's all I really have to say about that. But the other two I loved. Woo! I, I'm, I was... I was like... Like whooping out loud as I was watching these two things. So let's start with Biomes, which was my favorite. 18 minutes. It's basically long panning shots of Star Wars locations with some little details happening, usually in the, in the, in the distance. Um, it, the first one opens on Hoth and you get this, gorgeous just like long slow look looks like a helicopter shot helicopter shot of the hoth um you know the snow and the mountains and stuff and slowly uh, you, in this like squad of three snow speeders zooms past the camera and then you as it keeps as the camera keeps moving you see oh look there's a, like a a flock of tauntauns <gasps> oh that's great oh my god you can see that the uh, 
the attack on Echo Base. They've got AT-AT walkers there, and you see like the troop transport flying off. And I mean, it's, it could potentially be boring, I guess, but it just was gorgeous. I just loved it. They had Tatooine, they had Sorgan from the from the Mandalorian. That's like one of my least favorite episodes of that show, and the, even that was really nice to see. Um, what? Oh, Mustafar and Vader's castle was a sick one. Seriously, that's. I think that's the kind of stuff that like reveals the potential of having. Like a Star Wars channel, basically, like this stuff was, you know, it. It's not expensive to produce. You can hire a handful of people; they can bang it out, and it's just like really nice, tasty content that makes someone like me pumped to be a Star Wars fan and like really happy to be um, subscribed to the to the service. Um, so yeah, it was very re relaxing. The music was good, and just like I hope they do more. I, I'm kind of spreading the word around because I want everyone to watch it so they keep doing more stuff like this. It was so entertaining. Yeah, I want more of that. Um, it would be cool to see one of like Endor or one of like, where else would be cool? Coruscant, of course, although that's a lot of animation involved <laughs> because of all the ships and stuff. But um, yeah, so biomes, jaw on the floor. I loved it. Uh, the second one I really liked was vehicle fly throughs. And there's two episodes so far and they've done the Falcon and the first order Star Destroyer. And what it is, is again, basically long, languid, slow shots of the ships. So you get, you know, like these like long shots of um, of the, the outside of the Millennium Falcon and then it goes inside and you can see the cockpit and it goes into like, look, does close up shots of the control panels and stuff. Um, that was really cool. And the First Order Star Destroyer one was really fun to watch. I mean, Star, Star Destroyers are cool. But, you know, at one point I was like, well, I guess this is just like a, uh, you know, virtual walkthrough of a very, you know, high quality CG model. But then I like I was looking at the, the floor of the, as they were like slowly moving through this Star Destroyer corridor and I was like, man, that that floor looks really like believably scuffed up. And I was like, ah, oh, well, I mean they they must have shot all this stuff on the actual set. This is killer. So it is, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure like my guess is that probably the outside shots of um that this the first order Star Destroyer are CG and then the um, the shots inside are probably uh, on the actual set, uh, and I loved it. I just love that. I've said it before. I love the first order designs. I just think, like, obviously, it's. I mean, it's pretty directly just taken from the original trilogy, but the there's enough that's unique about it that makes it really fun for me to look at. Love it. Yeah, that was fun. So, um, I want more of that. Hang on, I'm just trying to get me, get my, get my little 
show plan. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of people have been speculating, oh, we're going to get some big news, big reveals or something today. I doubt it, actually. I think that with the Bad Batch dropping and then these other like little bonus things coming out, I don't think... Um, I'm not sure we're going to get big news drops. Like, I mean, they did it all in December when they announced 11 new <laughs> shows. Um, I just think... Like we've we've had our lunch, fellas. Like we gotta wait now. Um, yeah. All right. So it, those were the highlights uh, of Star Wars Day for me. Um, but of course, it's been a pretty excellent Star Wars week. I finally uh, finished my saga rewatch with the with the sequel trilogy. I think I talked about the Force Awakens already. Did I? I don't know. But watching it again, I just. It's so freaking good. I love The Force Awakens so much. Mm. It's gold. I just can't... I can't say enough good things about that movie. Like, it's just so fun and so, like, heartwarming and thrilling and emotional and everything about it is great. The Last Jedi. Again, I just... I actually start to feel a bit more frustrated about the film just because, um, like, this, the parts that I love, I still absolutely love, but the parts, the aspects I don't love, they're starting to bother me a bit more or something. I don't know. Like, I just find myself. Yeah, I don't know, just almost trying to kind of blur my eyesight a bit through the parts that I'm not super into to get to the parts that I love, you know, which is unfortunate. But, uh, and then The Rise of Skywalker, don't care what anyone says, I still love that movie. And it's weird, like, um, I think on most of my earlier viewings of it, I loved... Like, I really loved, really, like, everything up to the last half an hour, basically. And then I felt, like, the big kind of finale with the air battle and the Palpatine's throne room and Finn and Janna and all that. It didn't quite stick the landing, which was unfortunate because, like, you're having the best time ever and then it just a bit is a bit flat at the end. Um, but that wasn't really my experience this time, like... I just, I came out of it like really emotionally like, like beat up kind of like, I just, I felt very invested and very engaged in what was happening in that movie. And, um, it's very emotional. I think like, again, you know, I'll be repeating myself here a bit, but like, I totally understand the criticisms of that film, but it sweeps me up. <laughs> I really like, I love that movie. Um, and the end is good. And I just like, mm, this, that there's this moment in the throne room where Ray is dead and Kylo is dragging himself towards her. 
and he finally kind of like reaches her and he kind of looks at her for this second and he, he he's like frozen and he's it's as if he can't believe this has happened you know uh, it's great you know yes there's things that could have been better god i hope we get to they put the knights of ren in something so we can see them actually do stuff <laughs> uh but i had a really great time watching that that movie this on this rewatch um like i'm already looking forward to seeing it again to be honest all right you know what else i've been really enjoying um i finished into the dark claudia gray's high republic novel i thought it was pretty average didn't love it um which is a bit disappointing because um claudia gray's lost stars is i think like the best star wars novel ever uh for me at least and um yeah i was hoping it would be a bit more fun it was just very okay um so when i grabbed her book leia princess of alderaan i um was hoping that that would bring back the claudia gray love and it totally has so far i guess i'm I don't know how far I'm into it I am. Maybe about a third. But it's awesome. She is a kicking ass. Like it's um it's it's Leia when she's 16. Um taking her first steps into the adult world basically and the world that or you know her first steps towards becoming the Leia that we meet in um A New Hope. And she's just really getting the character right. She's getting her character right. She's getting um, Leia's parents' characters really right. And she's... There's stuff about how the Empire is behaving that really, like, works well and really, like, sits right for me. Um, there's... Oh, it's really good. Really good so far. And, like, the extra stuff that they add in... Like sometimes in Star Wars books and comics, you know, writers can go like, and there was this guy that you like from that movie and he was involved in this way and it can feel really like, like taped together or forced, you know. Um, but there's a lot in that book where you go like, oh, it's this, this guy from that and it feels totally like natural. And a lot of details are being kind of added about the galaxy and the, the conflict and everything. And none of it feels out of place. It all feels really good. And it moves at a good speed, you know. You don't it's not stuck on any bo any boring anything boring so far. So um yeah, I'm really glad I picked that up. It's really good. All right, ladies and gents. Uh I'm going to read you a couple of bits from uh, Return of the Jedi uh, making of book. So it's time for some book bits. All right. The first thing that I wanted to read you is, um, so it's in the part of the book where they're talking about um, George looking for potential directors for the film. And um, 
you may or may not know that David Lynch was in the running. Not only was he in the running, but he made it to the final two. It was between him and Richard Marquand, and David Lynch turned it down. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't like you know. <laughs> People like to talk about Metallica auditioning bass players when Cliff Burton died and that they're like, did you know that Les Claypool auditioned for Metallica? And they're like, yeah, but he was never really a serious option. Uh, but David Lynch was absolutely a serious option for George, uh, which is pretty crazy to think of when you, you know, because uh, all of us are, you know, have probably seen a bunch of uh, David Lynch's work at this point. Um, but uh, I just wanted to read a little uh, excerpt of um, of what uh, Mr. Lynch had to say about the experience of meeting with George. Here we go. Um, up north, while revising his rough draft, Lucas decided to interview Lynch. Lynch says, I was asked by George to come up and see him and talk to him about directing, directing the third Star Wars, David Lynch would say. When telling the story decades later, he made it clear, at least in hindsight, that he was not predisposed towards the idea. Quote, But I had always admired George. George is a guy who does what he loves, and I do what I love, so I thought I should uh, go up and at least visit with him. Lynch flew to Northern California. I came in... Uh, quote, I came into this office and there was George, he continues. He talked with me a little bit and then he said, I want to show you something. Right about this time, I started to get a little bit of a headache. <laughs> so he took me upstairs and showed me these things called Ewoks. And now this headache is getting stronger. He showed me many animals and different things. Then he took me for a ride in his Ferrari to a lunch. We're flying through this little town in Northern California. We went to this restaurant that only served salad. Then it got, re got really kind of like a migraine headache and I could hardly wait to get home. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty fun. It's a very Lynchian way to uh, describe the situation. Uh, the other interesting thing I thought of, like, so I feel like, you know, George Lucas, very f focal focal point for the whole Star Wars thing, obviously. Um, Irvin Kirshner, I think, gets quite a lot of um, attention. But I feel like Richard Marquand gets uh, quite a lot less. Um, like, what do we really know about him? Not that much. Um, but in the book, we get a little bit of information about him. So I just thought this was kind of interesting. Um, so, out of school, Marquand joined the RAF in order to be sent to Hong Kong, where he could learn Chinese. He had other adventures, such as being under house arrest in Uganda and marching with Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma, Alabama, at the height of the civil rights movement. He hit upon his career path when he started as a researcher for the BBC, segueing into documentary filmmaking. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think that considering, you know, the message, the messages uh, in Star Wars, it was pretty cool to have this guy directing Return of the Jedi being someone who cared about um, civil rights and human rights. 
I thought that was cool. Um, his, uh, I think his son was interviewed about him and uh, he said, Dad started out making documentaries about the Vietnam War and things like that. He was quite a political guy. He saw the whole Star Wars saga as having a moral message. He said to me that Ewoks are like the Viet Cong. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think that it's a political message, but it's also like a human rights message, I think. I think that's always been there in Star Wars, and that's great, really great to see. All right, time to listen to some sounds. All right, I'm going to hit play. This is number 114. Let's see if we can guess what the sound is. Sounds like the ATAT walking mechanism, but I could be wrong. Let's listen again. Hmm. I wonder if that's it. Let's take a look. 14. Aha! Uh -huh, I was close, yeah. It's when uh, an atat falls, actually. Cool. All right, let's do another one. Let's see what this is. 138. We are 138! We are 138! All right. Yoto. Yoto. Hey, Yoto. Yato. Chuck. Zebus. That'd be Boosh, the bounty hunter, quote-unquote bounty hunter. Yeah. I wonder how other people pronounce that character's name. I say Boosh. I've heard other some people say Bausch, but the, the mighty Boosh it is to me. Here we go. Let's listen to 152. Yeah. That is the sound of the forest moon of Endor, I believe. Let's take a look. 152. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm looking it up, but I know. I know, you know, it is, it was Endor. Wow, that makes me want to see Return of the Jedi. What does the official book actually say 152 and the Scorgans yep the sound of Endor lovely all right folks it's that time let's watch some solo let's see where we are um hmm yeah I don't really remember oh we're on Severine man we're near the end of the movie already it's too bad Severine was a pretty cool, pretty cool um, location. I felt a little bit like it could have done with a little bit more detail. Um, but it is supposed to be the arse end of nowhere, so... Um... <laughs> Man. I've been, like, pretty obsessed with the Falcon lately, so now when I see it on screen, I'm like... Oh my god, I know that guy! 
Here we go, listen to this. Wait, come on, Han, say it. Yep. Not if you're round down, buddy. I love that. This is good. Oh. Man. She is a hell of a ship. She is a hell of a ship. I'm just going to repeat the dialogue. <laughs> I mean, this is great. Like, I hate you. I know. That was good. Come on. Fantastic. <sighs> Man, I feel like the, the Lando show is not one of the first shows that are going to come off the production line at Lucasfilm. But um, I would like to see it sooner rather than later because I love Donald Glover's Lando so much. Yeah. I'm just... Uh, I still feel a bit concerned that they haven't announced him as being the star of that series. Now, there's no need to be uh, impatient, of course. Hmm. Oh, I feel really sorry for Han in his part. He really wants to stick with Kira. Mm. I think um, Emily Clark's really good in this movie. Like, I think she's much more... She seems just more relaxed and real than in Game of Thrones to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of goofy though, huh? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm an outlaw. This is nice. You are the good guy. Oh, it's so sweet. Come on. I hope is this no okay this is when we get this a, a bit of this uh, ah but this is good those characters and their outfits were really cool really like well sketched out kind of uh, culturally and Just the fact that like nobody speaks is uh you know leading up to something. And then boom. Emphasis nest. More emphasis nest, please. She is emphasis nest, she's the best. She puts you to the test. She's on the winning team, she's not mean. Amazing. This is great stuff to hear, man. The Cloud Riders look great. 
Is Han being super Han? I love this. I just love how hopeless this is. It's just Lando just leaves. Like, I'm done with these idiots. I don't even need to get paid. I just don't want to be near them anymore. <laughs> so, and the way he walks backwards again, like he's got a, like a full nappy. Love it. Okay, here we get Erin Kellyman. She did a fantastic job in um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But she'll always be emphasis to me. Oh, sorry. I know I'm supposed to be talking, but... I She's got a great voice. She looks like, I mean, no, she just looks like no one else I've ever seen before, you know. And to be like as young as she is and still like convey this kind of, um, this kind of like grim determination, that's rare. Hmm. And, you know, I just, please, God, if uh, we get to the Andor show and you get a big, like, moment where she sh shows up with the Cloud Riders, I will puke from excitement. <laughs> hmm. But it's cool here. They illustrate, like, you know, the Empire... Are the biggest problem, but uh, these uh, these crime lords and their uh, syndicates cause a, a huge amount of suffering as well. Great stuff. I, it's like she's the kind of person that you kind of want to be involved in the like the roots of the rebellion. I think. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I really want to see more of her. All right. I think we're gonna leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been. A really great um, Star Wars day. It's kind of fun, you know, like every day is Star Wars day for me and for a lot of people like me. Um, but it's pretty fun to see, you know, more like normies on uh, social media getting in on the fun and enjoying it. Um, again, Bad Batch. That's really exciting that it was uh, as good as it was. We get another episode already on Friday, which is great. So we'll, we'll be back to talk about that one. Uh, thank you for listening. It's been fun. My name is Tom Sutton. This is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me.